Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the In Squash podcast. And today we're really happy to have back on uh, Declan James. And uh, he was on the podcast last year. We had a great uh, great chat and he's come back on again uh, he finished the season he had a breakout season last year where I think he reached uh, up to as high as maybe 16 or 17 in the world uh, right now he currently sit, sits at uh, number 20 in the world uh, he finished um, last year as the finished season as the number one English player and uh, he started out this year not quite uh, maybe the way he wanted and we talk a bit about that uh, juxtaposing that number one player in England with uh, where he sits now in the world, and he's more concentrating on uh, moving up in the world rankings as opposed to that uh, that position as number one player in England. Uh, speaking of England, though, they have the, the world teams coming up, and he's uh, very excited about that. They haven't chosen the team there, and uh, quite a few uh, guys uh, at around the same level competing for uh, spots on that team, but... Uh, Hopefully Declan gets a spot, and uh, England will be one of the favorites to uh, to uh, take on Egypt in the final. Uh, it's going to be a really tough one. We talk about that as well. You know how what it's going to take to uh, to, to beat uh, Egypt in the World uh, Men's World Team Championships, uh, and we also talk about uh, you know how we got how his season's gotten underway, uh, the training that he's been putting in. Uh, he's been working a bit with George uh, Parker. Uh, we talk about his relationship with uh, with George, and perhaps um, how we we a lot of the, the squash community uh, misunderstood has misunderstood uh, George as a person. You know he's pretty intense and has a reputation. Uh, on court uh, that that precedes him, but uh, you know, uh, Declan uh, talks about George, what what it's uh, like to train with him, and what he's like as a person. And uh, we also get into a little bit about um, the friendly the friendly squash that goes on on the pro tour. Uh, how guys seem to get along uh, so well, or a lot of guys do, some don't. But uh, and that that's been a topic uh, of discussion. Of, over the last uh, little while, um, Jonathan Power on my podcast uh, took issue with it, and more more recently, uh, Rodney Martin in the U.S. Open also uh, said he'd rather uh, see a bit of a, a bit of a niggle between the between players on tour. And Declan uh, chimes in on that as well, uh, amongst other topics. So I know you're going to enjoy uh, Declan James' second appearance on the podcast, episode 110. Okay, uh, yeah, you sound great. You sound good. Uh, everything good. okay on your end? Yeah, perfect. Thanks. That's great. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good to. Uh, thanks for agreeing to come back on your second um, your second appearance on the podcast, and uh, yeah, really good back. to. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you back, and and good to see uh, you end the season uh, last year on on a high note. Uh, so, what are you up to um, today? I guess another productive um, day at the office. Yeah, I've had a good day. I was uh, with my physio this morning, just keeping the body in check. And then uh, I've just come back from a ghosting session this afternoon. So that was good uh, Good work in the tank. And then I'm uh, off to yoga a little bit later. I've uh, got a class that I go to every week, which is uh, a nice way to maintain the body as well. So yeah, having a productive day. Is that, uh, is that something you really pay attention to? I mean, I know you're, I'm a tall, I'm tall, not as tall as you are, but... Uh... And I'm older than you, but uh, I mean, I just find, uh, you know, being tall, it's not as, um, you know, easy moving around the court. Not, I'm not as graceful as some of my, sh- of some of the uh, shorter guys. 
out there, but it's also important maybe to to stay limber and stay flexible uh, given uh, given our height. Is that something obviously you you pay a, a bit more attention to than perhaps others do? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've been doing uh, things like yoga on and off for uh, a few years now, but I'm probably a little bit more serious with it now. I think being tall. Um, you know, when you're getting pushed around to the extremities of the court, uh, you're obviously under a lot of stress and strain and, and you're having, you've got a long way to go down when you're sort of six foot three, six foot four. Um, so that's tough on the back and of course yeah. uh, the joints. So, um, you know, I do probably more recovery work, not just the yoga, but obviously my stretching. I go in the pool mm. every week sort of treading water to get the water the water compression side of things so i'm doing sort of more more and more now than ever before just to make sure that uh, whenever i step onto court for training or for matches that you just feel as good as you possibly can i think um you know that's certainly what provides longevity helps to keep injury free and uh, yeah. and obviously fresh during tournaments you know the more you look after your body Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in my fifth, well, just turned 51. And uh, just the last couple of years, I've kind of been feeling a bit sore after I, I still used to do a lot of circuit training and, and hard training, but I've been, uh, I've ventured into the pool of late. And uh, although I'm still a bit stiff and stuff, I've really noticed, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the pool has been a great welcome to the, uh, a welcome addition to the training. And it's also nowhere near as hard on, on this old, chunk of coal's body <laughs> yeah no i can imagine that gary you know the pool's been a massive thing for me in the last couple of years uh, when i spoke to my trainer about it he was uh, he was a big advocate of getting that water compression side of things and um, especially for recovery at the end of a tough week um, or in, in a tournament at the end of, after a match if, if there's a tournament on if there's a swim pool on site then i'll always dive in there and, and yeah for sure you feel a lot better when well I, certainly I feel a lot better when I've come out of the pool you know do you do uh do you actually do uh do you swim laps or do you do sort of do you like you said you tread water and stuff but do you do any swimming at all or? yeah no it's, it's it's I don't swim a great deal it's more treading water um sort of side steps um you know a little bit of footwork in there and a bit of stretching and mobility so yeah it is more using it for the recovery aspect really yeah yeah, I guess uh, the footwork that that in in the swimming pool that might be sort of akin to my normal footwork on court anyway. So that that uh, <laughs> that's how slow I am. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, Declan, uh, all joking aside, it's great to talk to you. And uh, I guess you had a, a PSL match uh, a couple of days ago against a, a guy you've played a few times, a, a real very tough. Uh, uh, opposition guy playing very well at the moment, uh, Joel Macon, and, and it was a close match from what I can gather by the scores, best of three, obviously. Uh, so how did you think you played uh, in, in that? You're playing for Nottingham, I, I believe? Yeah, I played for my home club, Nottingham. Yeah, we played Joel on Tuesday, lost 2-1. It was a good quality match. I was um, fairly happy with a lot of the squash that I produced. Um, you know, I haven't started the season anywhere near it's the standards that I sort of expect from myself so I've just been sort of trying to uh, rebuild and improve a few things so, so you know and, and Joel is a, uh, a great player this season he was up at about number 
football in the world. Uh, we get on court most most sort of weeks, and uh, we're kind of just rooming together on tour in America for for the last three weeks. So we get on really well, and, uh, and we train together. And, and of course, yeah, it's it's great to have someone like that just down the road because you know hopefully we can push each other on um, as, as our careers progress. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and um, I guess the. the Everyone I've spoken to has mentioned sort of the, what the atmosphere is like at those PSL events, and uh, a lot of the, the a lot of people say it's sort of akin to um, what it might be like uh, playing varsity squash in the U.S. in terms of the crowds and the the, the noise levels and the excitement. Uh, so, what's it like in a, for you there uh, in terms of the atmosphere, and uh, do you look forward to those uh, PSL matches? Yeah, massively, especially when we're playing in Nottingham, so it's my hometown, my home club. I've been, um, you know, in Nottingham for the majority of my life, so there's always a good support when we play there. And, and those those matches are probably about as close as you can get to something like a PSA match in terms of, you know, everyone uh, goes at it. And there's, there's a good atmosphere there and a good intensity for the matches. So, um, yeah, those, those PSL matches are, are really good match practice if you like um, to, to get battle hardened for you know, the events on tour Yeah, do you feel a little more pressure uh, in those matches given you're playing uh, I guess maybe at your home club and in front of uh, the members or, or you know people who really know you that know you well your friends your family uh, your followers uh, in, in the in the Nottingham area is there a little bit more sort of uh, excitement there for you in that way yeah it's a it's more excitement. I wouldn't say it's too much pressure. Maybe a few years ago when I was sort of coming through the team a little bit, um, but not so much now just because, you know, everyone knows. Uh, and I know most of the people there quite well. They know sort of what I'm about. And, yeah, it's just it's just a nice opportunity to play in front of your family and friends, really. So uh, those are definitely occasions that are uh, enjoyable, you know. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you've also got uh, Nick Matthew playing at number two uh, for your team. Uh, I mean, I'm lo- I was looking at the other number twos, and he—he, he, I'm expecting, I expect that he's probably uh, in tremendous shape and playing, you know, fairly close to what he was playing at before. Uh, so, what's it like to have someone like like Nick playing at number two and playing uh, for for your team, uh, being your teammate? I mean, yeah, you can't really ask for for more, can you? I mean, he obviously brings a wealth of experience, and he's um, perfectly you know, um, justified playing at number one, let alone number two. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a great thing for us to have someone like Nick in the team still, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, now you had a, you had a bit of a, a uh, you had a break, uh, you had a breakout season last year, uh, I would say, and it culminated at the end of the year with you finishing um, number one in England. So, Obviously, you must have been happy with the way the season played out, but uh, what did it mean to you uh, to finish in that position uh, as uh, the number one uh, player in England at the end of the season? Yeah, it's funny, um, Jerry. It's a question that's obviously come up quite a lot recently. There's been uh, you know, a few things said on social media as well in the last few weeks about it, and, and it's a question that since I got there, I, you know, I, I've been asked many times and, and my, my answer has always kind of been pretty much the same in terms of it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a very nice thing and, and I respect the, the position of being the England number one. It's, it's a nice thing to, 
to say you've achieved in your career, but, but um, at the same time, Gary, it's about the big picture for me, and, I, and I'm well aware that the England number ones of, of the past 10, uh, in even maybe 20 years, have more or less been top 10 players, world-class players, you know, uh, at the top of the world rankings. You know, so for me, although I reach that position, it's, it's about the big picture and, and it's not mm. necessarily about achieving that, but about becoming a world-class player and getting you know, to the top and sort of doing that position justice because it's all well and good being um, an England number one, but if, you, if you're there at, at 20 in the world or whatever, it, it doesn't really have the same, the same meaning. So, so, of course, I respect it. It's a, it's a very nice position, but it's, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sort of after a lot more and it's, it's, it's not the, the big picture, as I say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I won't belabor it, but I mean, you've got quite a few guys there, uh, quite a, some, some very good competition. I mean, Chris Simpson, Tom Richards, George Parker, Daryl Selby. Uh, obviously, James Wilstrup is still playing a bit. Uh, so it's, I mean, you're to be number one amongst those guys. So uh, you've got to be, you've got to be proud of yourself for that. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I've looked up to these guys uh, for many a year. Uh, so just to be playing alongside them, the likes of Daryl and James, just to be playing in their area and to get on court with them and to learn from them is a special thing uh, for me. So uh, yeah, of course, to to have that position while a couple of those guys are still. Um, playing, although towards the end of their careers, is, is yeah, it's, it is a good thing. Um, but, but obviously, the, the the goal is to to, to be at the top of the, the world rankings. You know, that's what uh, sort of cements your career and, and defines you know whether or not you've become a world class player. To me, is is becoming you know getting into that top eight, top ten yeah. in the world. So you know, that's always going to be the main goal for me. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a tough one out there, isn't it? I mean, it's just so competitive and so, uh, you know, the, the draws are so deep. There's no easy draw anymore. And uh, I guess the season, this season started off uh, with a new format. I'm not, I don't think they had a best of three format last season, but uh, a lot of your matches have, haven't gone your way in the early rounds and they've been close best of three uh, losses. So, uh, what what's your take on on uh, on the best of three change? Is it something that you you just need to get your head around a bit more, or or is it just or is it something else? I can't. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't sit here and make an excuse in terms of you know I've lost a few matches because they were best of threes. I mean, um, the fact of the matter is I'm not personally a big fan of the format, but. Um, being quite honest with you, I, I got my first top 10 win last season in the best of three format. Right. So, you know, right. I certainly wouldn't <laughs> rely on it as some kind of an excuse as to why I didn't, I've not been performing at the start of the season. That's certainly not the reason. Um, but yeah, whilst I, I do prefer the best of five format um, for the purity and, and the physical nature, I do appreciate that best of three format probably offers a little bit uh, more entertainment at times um, for the crowd. It's not always the case, but it does offer more drama. Um, mm. so yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's fine to have it there for a couple of events during the year, but I wouldn't like to see a scenario where it becomes the, uh, the dominant format and, and sort of phases out the best of five. That's not something that I would uh, be an advocate of, um, but I, I do think it has its place, you know. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it took me a while to get my head around uh, the eleven-point uh, scoring system, and once once I got used to it, it you know it seems great now. So I guess you know having the first is it up? I think it's up until the the semifinal. Is it that it's uh, best of three? Yeah, I mean, when we were in Nantes, it was up until the semi-final. Mm-hmm. And then it was actually up until the final. And that's probably another thing that I would look to change. I mean, I, I personally just think if you're going to have the best three format, you should keep it throughout the tournament. Or if you're going to have the best five format, you should have it throughout the tournament. I don't really see, um, you know, the benefit to the players of having a format that changes during the tournament, you know. So so my, yeah. you know, rep- that it, it would be that it stays the same uh, one way or the other throughout the tournament. But that's again, that's just my opinion. Right now, now speaking of Nantes, you uh, you were the defending champion uh, this year heading into that event, so obviously uh, you were pumped for that one. Uh, but then you had to uh, to play against the hometown guy uh, Mathieu Castagnier in the first round. So uh, I mean, the venue seemed really awesome. Uh, the, the the castle there, I believe it was in. Uh, and Nance is always electric anyway. So what uh, what must have been – I didn't see the match. So what was it like uh, having to play Matthew uh, uh, in that incredible venue on, with the electric uh, uh, French atmosphere there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, a pleasure to play in somewhere um, like the castle where we were. Nantes really is one of the best events on the tour. There's no doubt about it. They're kind of setting the standard in many ways in terms mm. of venues certainly crowd atmosphere the crowd there's probably one of one of the best on the on the tour that's incredible i mean uh it begs the question you well i watched a few of the early round matches in chicago uh, was it philadelphia recently and it just seemed rather quiet uh but in france i mean it just from round one through to the final it's just uh they're just so enthralled with with their squash there yeah i mean i know they they bring in a large uh, base of uh, people who haven't seen a lot of squash before so I think there's always quite a few first time people in the crowd uh, seeing squash for the first time and they also have the entertainment sort of going on whether it's the, the light shows or the the, uh, the the dancing and the sort of artistry side of things which adds to the occasion it's something that I think needs to be um, you know introduced into more events is the kind of entertainment side and something other than the squash to get the crowd, you know, uh, going and to get them excited. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt about it. You can see it on the TV and of course playing in front of it live. It's, uh, they have one of the, the best atmospheres on the tour and that's, you know, that's an ama- amazing thing to, mm. to be a part of because when you're in those matches and you can hear the crowd so audibly, it's, you know, it makes you want to um, give even more to the, to, to the squash match, you know. Yeah, definitely. And what was it like uh, having to play uh, Matthew uh, in, in that under those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, always tough. You know, Matthew has won um, big time events, and he's been sort of you know six or seven in the world. And I know he's struggled with his body um, for a couple of years, but he appears to be you know back playing um, towards the top of his level. So. You know, I was kind of under no illusion that that, that match was going to be very hard, you know, regardless of the fact that he might have been a little bit down in the rankings. That doesn't really mean a great deal, to be quite honest. Matthew's a great player, and, and you know, whilst I didn't play to the best of my ability, it's, um, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no rite of passage to be going on a squash court and beating 
something like Matthew Castle, you know, unless you're playing no. on top of your game. No, for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Now, uh, if you don't mind, uh, definitely, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of your 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 friends and training partners on tour. Uh, I'd like to talk to you first about uh, George Parker. You said I think recently you you trained a little bit with him, and uh, you know George is a, a very talented guy. He's a, he has a bit of a reputation for going off the boil at times, but um, he's a great talent. And what's it like? Uh, I guess you guys must have incredibly intense uh, training sessions. So what's it like uh, training training with George, uh, having him as a training partner? George is, you know, a fantastic training partner. He's also a good friend of mine. You know, he's been very uh, good mates for a number of years now, um, you know, going back to when he had some time away from the game. You know, he remains quite close. Um, physically, he's, he's a beast, really. He's mm. extremely, extremely strong, extremely physical and very good in the gym. And uh, as you say, yeah, on court, you know, the practice matches um, are... <laughs> They're as about as intense as it gets, you know. We're a good friend, and obviously we don't want to lose to each other, so we get a huge amount of each, uh, a huge amount out of each other, and and we train together most weeks, and and we sort of, you know, spend a lot of time together on tour. So, um, he, you know, he's certainly one of the guys that I'm closest to, you know. Yeah, he seems he seems to have made uh, some inroads in terms of uh, you know his on court, uh, you know, controlling his emotions a bit on court. Uh, do you notice? Have you noticed that over the last year or so? Yeah, a hundred percent. He's George is a very misunderstood character, and to be honest with you, Gary, because I know that he gets a lot of um, negative reaction and, and negative press from onlookers, and it's easy to see. You know, if you are. Um, losing your losing your head a little bit on the court or you're being a little bit you know um, over animated to the referee or whatever it's quite easy to just look at the man and say oh well he's you know he's this and he's that but you know if you spend 10 minutes with George away from the court your opinion of him will be vastly different you know he's, he's an extremely generous and very kind loving person you know he's a very 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 nice guy he's one of the nicer guys you'll meet so it's it's all well good you know, looking at how he behaves on court, which at times leaves a lot to be desired, and he knows that, and it's something that he's tried to, he's, he is working on, and, and he'll, he'll have to continue to work on if he wants to um, progress to the top of the game. But, um, but you know, I, I, I tell you now, he's, um, he's one of the nicest guys I know, so uh, yeah. he just gave himself more justice with his behaviour on court, which hopefully he will over the years, and then, uh, and then people will come to sort of see who he really is, you know. Well, we're not that far removed from uh, the Jonathan Power, David Palmer, that that era. I mean, geez, the, those guys—they uh, made they make George look like uh, Peter Nichol, you know, out on the court. That's the thing. I mean, it's all well and good being, you know, best mates and and uh, and the nicest guys in the world out there, but you also need uh, you also need characters and, mm. and absolutely, yeah, interesting to watch and. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, the way that the game was played um, 30 years ago, there, there wasn't, uh, there was no love lost between more or less all of the players. It was sort of elbows and, and handbags at dawn, sort of a thing. So uh, yeah, yeah. But it's um, it's no bad thing that we have people that spice things up and, and characters, you know, because that's what we need the personalities on the tour and, and people that are gonna get. Um, you know, the, the crowd talking. So 
for me that's that's that is that can be a positive thing as well yeah i remember my uh i mean just the i mean at my levels obviously nowhere near any of, of your level but um uh, our old coach back in canada in nova scotia he he would always say to us uh, before events he'd always say we're not here to make friends boys <laughs> yeah, i couldn't agree with that more to be honest with you i mean don't get me wrong i've got you know a couple of the guys that i'm really close to on the tour but um at the end of the day yeah yeah you're not there to play happy families it is work it is business and you're there to, to be the best squash player you can be and to, and to get the job done you know you're not there to um yeah, definitely. Now, another friend uh, uh, and training partner of yours that I recently had on the podcast, and I would say it's, I would definitely rank it amongst the top five of, of the podcast that I've done was uh, Emily uh, Whitlock. And she was, uh, she was great. What a unique personality and, and a really uh, a very strong player on the ladies tour. Um, and what's it like uh, for you to have uh, her as a training partner and someone to hang out with? Because she just seems like uh, a lot of fun <laughs> yeah emily's a great girl yeah i've known her um i've known emily for 10 years um so so we get on well we always have and, uh, and obviously i'm uh, i've worked with uh, uh, with phil her dad since i was 18 or so uh, emily's great to train with she's a great player hits the ball wonderfully well and um is physically very strong as well you know and uh, has achieved a lot at a young age and mm-hmm. um you know, she has some outside of the box thoughts at times which is you know right down my street because you know she says you speak her mind and she's quite honest and straight up about things which is yeah something you know, I'm not really yeah she sort of t- uh, i wasn't i didn't really know much about her and then it, you know had her on the podcast and uh, it took it took a, a little bit for me to adjust but man it, it was a lot of fun uh talking to her yeah, yeah it would be you need uh, again another character another personality and oh yeah yeah afraid to say it like it is and in my opinion, that's uh, we need more characters like that on the tour. Oh, for sure. Uh, now, obviously, you've uh, you've got the the World Open, the Men's World Open coming up, and the World Team Championships coming up. Now, the draw was just released for the uh, the Men's uh, World Open, and I noticed uh, you've probably seen it already. Uh, you're playing Ryan Cuskily uh, in round one. Yeah, I mean, there's no there are no easy draws going uh, these days, Jerry. That's sort of what you expect when you come into yeah. this event. It could have been worse. I mean, uh, obviously, he's a very good player, but uh, he's someone that, uh, you know, he's right there, you know, for you. He's not, he's not someone that's uh, that far ahead of you or, or behind you in the rankings. So it should be, uh, should be a good match. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ryan's a great player. You know, you don't, you don't beat someone like Ryan Costelli. He's playing a high level of squash, and that's why he's been um, in that top 20, top 16 level for, for a number of years. You know, he's, he's, he's a great player, and um, I'm going to have to play my very best squash to, uh, to, to be in with a chance there, you know. Yeah. And then uh, the world teams are about two months away, and uh, England's obviously one of the favorites to take a run at Egypt. Uh, now, I guess it's all going to depend on, on the draws and things like that, but... Uh, uh, is it more? I guess it's more. Is it more of a case of who's going to uh, try to beat Egypt, or do you think uh, does anyone have a legitimate uh, chance of actually uh, beating them? I mean, let's um, you know, let's let's be honest. Egypt starts as the, as the favourites, um, as the clear favourites. You know, they've been they've proven themselves to be the best 
in the world for a number of years now. There's no point, you know, sort of mincing our words about that. Um, but I guess with the three-man format, you it opens things up a little bit more because, you know, it takes uh, two victories and, and you're there. So, you know, if two people have an off day and, or you know, two of us, um, two of the uh, another side have a, a good day, then you know you're right in there. Or if you're at a one-all scenario game to the last string, then then anything can happen when you're in the semi-final or final of a, a major event like that. You know, it's it's a different it's a different you know scenario. Um, but you've got you know other countries like um, Hong Kong and. Uh, France are always going to be strong, and, and Germany, who are going to be, you know, tough to beat. So it's uh, it's obviously Egypt start favourites, but there's also other countries in there who will give them, you know, a good a, a good run for their money, and, and I hope that we're one of them. Yeah, definitely. Now you played in the World European uh, Team Championships uh, last year, right? And is this your is this your second appearance for for Team England in the world, or your first? This is my first year. So we had yeah. the European team year back in uh, May, the start of May. Right. Um, so that was my second time playing in the European teams, but this will be my first team, uh, my first time playing in the world teams. Yeah. And you guys, you guys won that, didn't you? Uh, England. We won it uh, four years, uh, about four years ago, I think it was. Um, yeah. The, Euro if, the if European can... European teams. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we won. Um, we you won, won last European year. Team yeah. This year. This year, yeah, yeah, we won this year. We played. Uh, we actually played Spain in the final. Spain um, made the final for the first time. That was great to, to yeah. see a great effort. Well, I'm telling you, I mean, I, I saw. Uh, I think it was a, was it the last event of the U.S. Open. I think and Borja played. I forget who he played. Maybe Mar uh, Mohamed El Shabagi or somebody in the second or third round, and he he was just playing so well. And he, and he played well in the European Championships as well for his age. Uh, and he's got that sort of unique style. Um, what do you think about his game given, you know, and, and his longevity at this point? Yeah, he's, he's such a warrior on the court. Yeah. And again, yeah. very clever with his shot selections and with the way that he constructs the rallies. You know, I know he's also had issues with his... Um, with his health and fitness over the last couple of years, but he, he you know, he's still playing at the top level, um, and you know, it shows that he has looked after his body to have the longevity in his career that he has. You know, so there's, you know, Bork is a great player. I think he's been five in the world. So, again, anyone that's achieved that level is world class. You know. Yeah, for sure. And how does the the England squad look? Have they chosen your team yet, or they haven't chosen? I think it's going to be at the end of the month. Um, that they choose, you know. So again, I don't uh, know who's going to be picked. Um, I'm hoping that I'm included in the squad, um, but there's no uh, there's no guarantees. But yeah, I think we're going to know by the end of the month. Right on. Okay. And uh, what do you have planned over the next few weeks, uh, Declan? Any? Uh, I know you're not playing in Egypt, right? You're not. You're not heading over. No, I elected to um, not to play in Egypt just because I wanted to have a good training period for the world championships you know i really prioritize that event um and, and the schedule has been very heavy since the start of the season you know yeah it's been pretty heavy hasn't it you, you played san yeah. francisco and uh u.s open didn't you yeah yeah before that nantes, nantes uh, in yeah. september and, and in between um nantes and san francisco i was actually in egypt playing egyptian league um for four days so i literally had 
was back from Nantes for, you know, about three days. Then I went to Egypt for four days and I was back for three days and then went to San Francisco. And then obviously I was in America for three weeks. So the, the schedule basically since the start of September has just been on, on the go um, completely. So for me personally to have come back, I only had 10 days at home, had to go to Egypt and then another few days at home for the world would have just been too much for me personally. So right. I sort of elect to take some time back home back home just to train reset and uh and come again and give the world the best um the best go that i that i can you know right on well uh, i just want to wish you uh, all the best in, in the world and the world teams and uh for the season and uh, really appreciate talking to you today and uh good luck with everything declan thanks a lot jerry great to talk to you again well, thanks a lot to Declan there. I love talking to Declan. He's, he's a true professional, uh, and I really gleaned uh, quite a bit there. I, wa- I wanted to talk to him a bit more, actually, about uh, you know the struggles that he must uh, face being a tall guy. Uh, I'm relatively uh, tall as well and a bit long in the tooth now, but uh, you know stiffness and uh, arthritic uh, issues have uh, crept into uh, my makeup over the last few years, and um, I'm sure if I had uh, taken the initiative and maybe gone into and done a bit more yoga, spent a bit more time in the pool, I'm trying to do that now, uh, trying to sort of redress these uh, issues that, that have crept into uh, you know, the, some of the issues that I have to deal with uh, in terms of my own squash uh, game. Uh, the swimming, the, the pool activity, like he said, really helps. And uh, I haven't gotten into the yoga yet, but uh, I think I'm going to have to try that um, to sort of add a bit more or kind of try to deal with the inflexibility that, that I have uh, going on right now. But uh, Declan seems to, and, and I know if you've seen uh, what's really impressive, uh, I think they had this day in the life of uh, Declan James on the PSA uh, squash TV thing there. And uh, you get to see just exactly how hard he works. And, and all the squash pros are working really hard. But for a guy uh, that tall to be doing the, the same type of uh, sort of work that, say, uh, a Paul Cole is doing in the gym, the circuit training, the, the jumping, the lunging the at his height, I mean, he's definitely, like you said, he has to take care of his body and make sure that uh, the rigors of that type of training uh, allow him to get the, the most out of uh, that long-limbed uh, limb body. Uh, and like I said, um, being a tall guy myself, I was when I was younger, I never really noticed it. But these days, uh, I'm a little bit sore, a little bit stiff after uh, a tough match of squash. So uh, I think had I taken care of my body, maybe done a bit more yoga. Yoga was so, always around, I guess, but never part of the routine for a squash player until... I guess, uh, I mean, a lot of guys, I think maybe Jahangir Khan and a few uh, few others who were ahead of the, the curve there at, at the time probably implemented yoga and swimming and things like that uh, into their, their regimen. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to sort of backtrack and hopefully um, maybe regain a bit of that young, youthful uh, flexibility and try to deal with uh, the soreness uh, through these therapeutic measures. But... Um, at any rate, really enjoyed talking to Declan, and uh, really thankful to all of you guys who have been listening. Uh, we've got a few episodes upcoming, so stay tuned for those. Everyone, enjoy your squash. I know I am, and uh, have a great day. Goodbye now.